Well, hey there. It is uh, great to uh, see all of you and have you uh, here. And um, I want to really kind of uh, pick up on a passage uh, that was left off uh, last week uh, with Ryan that uh, he wasn't able to get to. He was planning on it, but just wasn't able to get to it. And as we looked at it, there's a few things about it that are just like super, super relevant uh, in all of this and and really contain like a bit of irony in this as well. And so uh, flip over to uh, Hebrews, Hebrews uh, chapter 10. And I'm going to, can you turn on the clock? right there, if you get a chance for me. Um, So Hebrews chapter 10, and uh, just see if you can't uh, pick out kind of the the irony in this verse. Look at uh, verse 25. Verse 25 says this, "Um, let us not give up meeting together, it says, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So like anything, just uh, jump out at you there that uh, he says, you know, do not give up meeting together. And I read those words as we now are in week 19 of online services and not meeting together as we once did around here. So um, it just seems like there's a little bit of of an irony to this passage that is worth addressing in all of this. So um, let me start with this. Let me start with kind of the end of this passage because of what it points to and We'll just unpack this a little bit. He says uh, here, um, as you see the day approaching, and of course, what he's talking about there, the writer of Hebrews, is uh, the return of Christ, that that Christ is going to return someday. And as we think about the return of Christ and what the fullness and the beauty of all of that means, like th- there's, there's still something that we engage in and connect in now. It's not that we just wait and then someday we'll get to experience Christ. But, but there's something he's getting to as, that as we wait for that day to come. And you know, Christ talked a lot about this uh, day and would describe it. Sometimes he would talk about it in terms of him, like he's going to go away and prepare something for us. And I want you to look at one of these verses. Um, turn over to a John, John chapter 14, the gospel of John chapter 14. And I want you to just Think about this as as Jesus describes this and picture this. He's probably mostly just with his immediate disciples, some of his closer followers. And it says this in verse three, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says, "Um, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And so Jesus is explaining this. And I want you to just put your... Put your brain in what it must have been like for the disciples. Imagine the disciples hearing this as he says, like, I'm going to prepare this amazing place for you, right? Life to the fullest, life in relationship with God in the fullest, right? That's great. But then he goes on and, and he's like, and, and then at some point, like, I'll come back for you. As in, I'm going to leave, you won't be going with me and I'll have to come back. Now imagine the disciples because they have lived like for the past three years and they have been doing ministry with Christ. Like they, they were there when he 
performed miracles. They were there when he was teaching. They would have been there, like, imagine moments where it got difficult or tough and didn't know what to do. And it'd just be really easy to say, uh, so Jesus, you got this, right? Like, and that literally happened at times. And all of a sudden now, everything they would have understood about the nature of how they related with Christ, well, it was going to be different. Like he wouldn't be there in physical form the way they had understood. Like there's this kind of change in how they're going to relate to this. In some ways, it's, it's kind of like um, their relationship with him was going to become a little bit of like a long distance relationship. And imagine the change in that. How many of you have ever been like in a long distance relationship? Like if you're at home, like, yeah. Some of you, we, we even have some people here that I'm thinking of right now that have experienced that. Um, it changes, doesn't it? Or what about this? How many of you have ever had a loved one, maybe a spouse or a parent who was serving in the military and they went abroad and were serving someplace and all of a sudden this relationship became this long distance relationship? Remember what that was like? And, and like, there, like there's this thing that can be unnerving. There's this thing of like, okay, what does this mean? And the waiting that occurs in this. Uh, about a year ago or so, I saw just the most precious video that a dad had made. Um, his wife uh, was in the military and went off to Afghanistan. And because of just the amount of time it took to travel there and through some training and stuff, it was a number of weeks before uh, they got to like physically see her face. That, you know, they had phone calls and, and, and this sort of thing. Uh, and she had a son that was probably three or four years old. And the dad set up their flat screen TV in their living room so that he could hook it up to his computer because his wife was going to be Skyping in. And their little boy hadn't even uh, seen her in all of these weeks. Talked with her on the phone, but hadn't seen her. And so there's this precious thing where he's like, you know, filming this probably with his phone or something. And he calls his son in to watch a, the show because, you know, your show is on, you know, come in here. And he's like, oh, okay. And he comes in expecting to see his show. But instead he walks in the living room and what he sees on the flat screen TV is his his mom. And the second this little boy sees his mom, he just squeals with delight and just this cheer and runs up like just like right in front of the TV because this is like his mom. And as soon as he starts, you know, like screaming, he's all excited, all of a sudden tears, just like he's got all of these tears. And you can just tell this little boy just going through all of this emotion, seeing his mom, you know, face to face for the first time in, in weeks. And then he says this, he says, my mom, I was afraid I was going to forget what you looked like. And your heart, you're just like, oh my gosh, this little boy that just has been kind of carrying this fear of like, that he would forget what his mom looked like. And what was so, and you know, and there's tears and the dad, you know, it's just, you know, like you know, one of these things, everyone's just like sobbing in this thing. But I love what the dad did in this moment. Like the dad is there with the son and says, you know what? I promise I will never let you forget what mom looks like. like and he's like, okay, like, okay. And, you know, and he's got his mom there. And I think about those disciples. And I just imagine what it was like for them. That Christ says, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back for you, but I'm going to go away. 
And the whole dynamic of what they understood about this spiritual journey that they were in and they were on, like it all changes. And, and I think about Christ in that moment who, who understands just the dynamic change that's going to take place. And the thing is, Jesus understands that it's going to be okay because there are two gifts these two amazing, amazing gifts that he knows that the disciples are going to have. And here's the truth. It is two gifts that you and I get to have as well. And you'll see why this becomes so relevant for us. Because in some ways, how we have understood the dynamic of our spiritual journeys, in some ways how we've understood the dynamic of how we connect to God through the church and community, like it's all changed, hasn't it? That this whole thing of social distancing and what's happening in churches, like all, it's like, it's like we're in this waiting thing and, and it's like there's long distance thing that has occurred. But of course, here are the two gifts that Jesus understood in this. One was he would make his home in their hearts. He even talks in this passage, you can go on and read it later, that he would be sending the Holy Spirit. He would be sending his spirit and he would abide in their very hearts. But here's the other thing. And this is the thing that I want you to think about this morning that I think is so relevant to us. He knew that they would have each other. And that by having each other, there was something about their relationship with one another. There's something about the connection that we have between believers that that connection connects us to the truth and the beauty that we have in our relationship with Christ. In the same way that that dad could connect with his little boy and create a connection back to his mom, like like that's what happens with us. I mean, there's things that that dad did just in his words about, I'll never let you forget this. The very fact that the dad was like creating this whole Skype experience for his son, it just, it was the connection that that little boy had to his dad that ultimately was making a connection to his mom. And there's something about you and I and the connection we have as believers it brings us into the beauty and the joy, the laughter, the humor, the fun, the mourning, the comfort, the peace that we have in our relationship with Christ. And Jesus understands that that is going to be there. And you know, that is one of the most gorgeous things about the church when she is at her very best. But here's my concern. My concern is this, that in as much as it is easy for us to find this connection with one another that actually in this just gorgeous way connects us back to Christ. And think about that for a moment. How many times have you in your own spiritual journey found the words of someone you know and love encouraging you in your own faith? How many times have you watched someone that you're in a relationship with in their own faith journey inspire faith in you? Yeah. Or how many times have you found someone in the church that just knowing them and being connected to them, it, it lifted your sense of hope that you have in your faith. 
as easy as that comes and as magnificent as that is, here's my concern, is that we can also just as easily lose it. And I think it's in the very kind of situation we're in now where the whole nature of how we do church is changing, when the whole nature of, of how we see a spiritual life and worship and what it means to gather as the church is all changing, my concern is we can lose something that we actually profoundly and deeply need. And I think that is what the writer of Hebrews is getting at here. Right? He goes through this beautiful thing that, that Ryan articulated last week. And if you missed his message, I want to encourage you to go back and hear his message. But then the writer of Hebrews comes to verse 25 and he says these words, right? And, and it kind of coming out of all of this beautiful stuff and says, let us not give up on meeting together as some ha are in the habit of doing. And he says these words, not because, you know, okay, a good Christian goes to church. Like, like, that's not what he's getting at here. It's because he cares. He cares about that church in the first century, that there would be things that could become habitual. There, there could be these things that could slip in and out of just circumstances, habits form that would take them out of the very connection that they would need most. And I kind of wonder if we're not in a similar circumstance where the same thing could happen. And I don't want that to happen for you. And I sure don't want that to happen for causes in this. And so that's why I think this is so very relevant. You know, and just doing some research on this and just looking um, at what scholars uh, believe were some of the drivers behind why in the first century they could just neglect gathering together. It's interesting what you find. Uh, there are three things uh, that I found that scholars point to that kind of a high probability of what was kind of driving this thing where they just could slip into this thing of not gathering together. Um, it, and at first they may seem like something from the first century, but the reality is they have some relevance to, uh, to us. Uh, the first one was this. Uh, this would have occurred at a time when there was this early persecution going on. And most of the early persecution going on was from religious leaders um, uh, that, you know, this new thing of Christ followers uh, seemed threatening. And so there was kind of this persecution and the persecution started driving them. Uh, sometimes it's known as the diaspora where they would be scattered. Um, and what's interesting, when you think about it, the early church were primarily Jewish Christians. That's where it started. And they just kept meeting in the synagogue. The synagogue was the center of their culture. It was the center of their spiritual lives. And so as they became followers of Christ, the center of, of that gathering was in the synagogue. But as they get scattered, like they lost the gathering in the synagogue. It was like no more, it was no longer available. And you think about it, what they would have understood as church, like what they understood, what was normative for, for them as church would have been like completely foreign to us. Like, um, unless you grew up going to the synagogue and then it wouldn't be. But for most of us, it would be this whole different kind of thing. But suddenly they are scattered and, and what they would have understood, just it's no longer available. And so all of a sudden, when the thing that you know and understand is no longer available, 
it's easy to just kind of drift. And all of a sudden, we're in this thing where the thing that we grew up with, the thing that we would have known, even if you've only been a Christ follower for a short time, like gathering together on Sunday mornings to be the church and to worship and to listen to a message and fellowship together and rub shoulders with other people, like all of a sudden, it's just not available anymore. And there can kind of be this drift and we can kind of lose that connection. But my concern is in losing that connection, we lose something that pulls us toward all that we have in Christ. And we need that. Another one uh, was uh, they were breaking off by this time. They were beginning to break off into some different uh, factions. You know, they started getting into arguments over beliefs. You know, I believe this, you believe that, and this is wrong, and this is, and they're getting all this stuff. But in reality, so much of those debates, so many of those arguments were just distractions. And in those distractions and all those differences, they just started breaking off and only meeting with people that would only think and believe exactly how they did. And it started pulling them apart and fracturing them. And I think about just the chaos of all the things going on in our culture and all the things we could get into arguments about and all the things that could be differences. And if we're not careful it can just pull us apart from being together in some way. Third one, which I think is uh, super relevant, and I'm just going to call this waiting fatigue, okay? And the waiting was the early church, when Christ leaves, right? And they would think back on his teachings. He'd say, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come back for you, right? Uh, what they had in their mind was like, okay, maybe a few weeks, few months, a few years at most. In fact, when you look through the New Testament, uh, there's places where you just realize they had this anticipation that after a few years, like Jesus is going to be coming back. And they could get into this holding pattern of like, okay, Jesus hasn't come back yet and things are hard and things are difficult. And I just, but I'm just going to hang in there and, and just, and just kind of coast. And when Jesus returns, then, then I'll get to experience the fullness of the church and the fullness of life and relationship with God. And all of a sudden, you, you see New Testament writers admonishing people to say, no, you can't just wait until Jesus comes back to start living the spiritual life and experiencing and connecting with Christ and others. Like, like that begins now. And yet it would be so easy for people to just say, I just, I'm going to wait till Jesus comes back because then all the problems get solved. But in that waiting, there's this kind of fatigue that sets in. And out of that fatigue, it's like you just let these things slide. And one of those things that some scholars believe is, it was just like, I'm going to just let this slide and not connect with other believers. And the beauty and the hope and the wonder of what it is to be a, a Christ follower and have Christ pulling you forward in life, it's like it just starts to get lost a little. And so I think about what happens in this passage, and I think about um, uh, the early church, and I can't help but think about us today. And not just the church at large. I think about Casas, this church, and how easy it would be for all of us in the middle of this pandemic to just begin losing this gift, the gift of each other, and what that does to connect us back to the beauty and fullness of what we have in Christ. 
So I'm gonna just, I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit. I wanna switch gears in the middle of my talk and, and talk more directly from a leadership standpoint and just thinking about the words of the writer of Hebrews uh, when they write, do not give up on meeting together and what that means and how important that is. And maybe there's never been a more important time in our lifetime as followers of Christ to hear those words than now and to find a way to apply them. Because the reality is it's changed on us and how we would have applied those words 20 weeks ago is changed on us. And so here's what I want to do. I, I want to switch gears and talk about kind of where we are right now. And then I want to talk about where we go. So where we are right now. Um, let me start uh, with this. As I think about where we are right now, um, you know, there, there are so many ways to think about and understand what's happening with COVID uh, and what does it mean. Let me start with this. Maybe one way to think about what's happened right here in Pima County. And again, I'm, I'm going to speak real directly to us and about what we're seeing and dealing with. When you think about what has transpired with the number of cases, maybe one way that, and we watch this, the, our pastors and the leaders of the church, like, we keep a close eye on all of this and are in contact with experts in everything from the state to uh, healthcare to a lot of different things. One way to think about this, in fact, I want to have you do this. Here's an exercise. Pull out a piece of paper or your phone, something you, I'm going to have you write down five numbers. I want you to think about five numbers, okay? Pull out a piece of paper. If you're at home, get a piece of paper, write out five numbers, okay? Here are the numbers. Uh, 40, 30, 15, 9, and 3. Five numbers. Okay, ready? 40, 30, 19, no, 15, 9, and 3. <laughs> I, I messed those up. I, this is what I get for doing this off the cuff, okay? Here's what those numbers represent, okay? Those numbers represent the number of days it took to reach the next 1,000 cases in Pima County. So from the time this started, it took 40 days to hit 1,000 cases just in Pima County. It took 30 days to hit 2,000 cases in Pima County. Then it took 15 days to hit 3,000. Then it took nine days to hit 4,000 and just three days to hit 5,000 cases right here in our backyard of Pima County. Now... The other thing you need to know is since we hit 5,000 cases, we have been in a steady pattern of every three to four days hitting another 1,000 cases. I want you to just think about the pressure that puts on everything from healthcare to testing to the spread of it. And so much so that right now we are on track that by August 1st, we're going to hit 18,000 cases just in Pima County. And there's just no way around the burden that that puts on the county and, and what we have to navigate. We, we don't even know for sure what that means and everything. So here, here has, here's what we've been wrestling with uh, as a church. 
Um, and again, this is back to kind of where we are. And you'll recall that as we were gearing up to have in-person services for uh, all the way back to June uh, 28th, uh, we pulled that back and decided to wait on that. And and here's why, right? And just kind of where we sit. Um, one of the reasons was we cannot uh, responsibly um, and in a, in, in a uh, reasonable way provide a safe environment in a large worship service in our auditorium. That given the number of cases that were out there and what we were learning about it, we couldn't do it, let alone for our uh, children's ministry and all the other things uh, going on uh, in our campus. And this is not about just navigating this where any of us are at a personal level, right? Because you may be sitting here and going, you know, but Clint, I like, I'm okay with it and, and that's great. But you know, I even know for me personally, I navigate this at a personal level in a way different fashion than I do as a, as a leader of this church. Because as a leader of this church, we have to take in this, the larger community in all of this. Um, the other thing that we realized, and we learned this from a number of other large churches that uh, we have relationships with, that we've been communicating with, and we also learned this uh, just from what, what was happening as we were gearing up prior to the 28th, as we were starting to have more people in the auditorium and getting ready for this, is that we're, we're not able to create a meaningful personal experience and environment for those that would get to be a part of the in-person services here. That all of the social distancing and the safety protocols and everything, it, was, it would deeply impact the potency for all those that would get to be a part of it. That just the relational dynamic that makes being a part of one of these services so meaningful is diminished greatly. And again, not just what we were experiencing a little bit as we were ramping up, but just talking with so many churches uh, our size. Um, the other thing that became evident, and we actually ran into this the last few weeks on staff as... <clears throat> Currently, we don't have anyone on staff that has tested positive for COVID, but we've, it's getting closer and closer as people on staff were exposed to people that were exposed uh, to someone with COVID. Like, it's getting closer and closer, and it becomes the issue of contact tracing, that there's a responsibility that we have. Uh, to help with the contact tracing. So imagine having a large in-person worship service. And then uh, right after that service, we discovered that there's someone who tests positive that was here with others, that, that the right thing to do would be to help and be a part of the contact tracing of that. And we just don't have the capability to do that level of contact tracing. And so we pulled back from going to in-person uh, services on this. And it's led us to this decision as well. Um, and, it, and it's this. Um, we will set a target date for when we go back to in-person services, when we know that we can do so responsibly. I would love to be able to set that target date right now. In fact, I was in a Zoom meeting um, with a number of other uh, pastors of large churches in Arizona, and we were all going through this thing, and some of the churches are trying to set those dates, and um, 
and, and there is no right answer for every single uh, church. I, I mean, I am praying for every church in Arizona as they're trying to make these decisions. But watching all of us go through this, realizing there is so much we don't know that we don't know yet. And it's too soon to set that target date. But when we know that we can responsibly move forward in this, then we'll set that target date in there. And so it kind of leaves us in this interesting place of, so if we're not even setting that target date yet, and by the way, part of that is out of kindness. I watched this. I watched as we set that target date and then had to pull it back that there were so many people that just, like it was so hard on them, that you get your hopes up and you move closer and closer to that date. And I don't mean in the sense of just like, well, yeah, I just, I want to be able to get together. I am learning more and more just what a, how important it is in our spiritual journeys to have that kind of contact and to be together. And to think that you're this close to it and then have it pulled away was heartbreaking for some of you. And I'm just not willing to set that date until we have a better understanding, a better chance of making sure that it happens. There's no guarantees, but needing to know more than we know now, right now uh, in this. So the question is, how do we move forward? How do we move forward? Um, and so let me offer a few things in this. Um, one, uh, I want you to remember you are Casas. And I really mean this. You're the church, and you're not just any church. You're Casas. Like wherever you are, you are the church. We don't have to wait until things settle down and we are able to come back together in this place, worshiping together. And can I tell you, I cannot wait till we get to do that. I just, I cannot wait. But I also don't have to wait to be the church because the Christ that lives in your heart lives in my heart. And wherever you are and wherever I am, the church is there. And so I want you to hang on to that, that you're the church. And so here's what this means. And I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this in the most tangible of ways. If it is true that you are the church, and if it is true that we, we need one another in this, then I'm going to ask you to, to do this. And this is the second thing, is take the step to gather together with a few people in some meaningful ways, right? Um, and uh, do that on Zoom, do that online. But I, if you're like me, I would imagine many of you, like you are fatigued from like all the online experiences and some in-person experiences or what you need, then take those. Do those in whatever ways you can do those in a responsible and safe way. And you know what? I want to I want to encourage you to do this. In fact, I want to challenge you to do this. If you're feeling the need, if you're sitting there and going, man, I need that connection, then take the step, contact some people that you would love to be with 
and watch the service together. Don't just watch the service by yourself on your phone or in your living room right now, or maybe even just with your immediate family. Maybe think of, who is it that you would sit next to in church, right? Imagine that. Remember that? Like, there was 20 weeks ago that you might have been actually sitting in our auditorium and think of the faces that you might have been around. You may not have seen those faces in the last 20 weeks. Reach out to them. Ask them. Say, let's watch the service together next Sunday. And I think what you'll discover is that there is something about just being together, experiencing the service together, the little things that you'll see, the looks, the, the, a moment to pray for one another. Like, there is something that is so enriching. And I want you to have that. And I want you to know you don't have to wait that COVID doesn't mean you can't have those experiences because there's a part of it that you need. It's going to be different than it was before and it's going to be different for a while. But it doesn't mean that it's absent. Maybe get together and share a meal uh, with them because when you get together with them, when you watch a service with them, you become a reminder of Christ to them. You become that encouragement that they need. And you know what? They become that for you. Like, there's this beautiful thing that happens in all of that. You know, we had a, I was, uh, again, on a Zoom call with CASAS Council in our CASAS Council uh, meeting. And one of our CASAS Council uh, members saw this happening, that there, there was someone that they're in community with and in online groups with, but there was something about the lack of the in-person side of what they were getting to experience. And, and, and they just, and they told our CASAS Council member, they just said, I just, I feel like I don't even have a church anymore. And like she did the most beautiful thing. She just planned a time, pulled them together, and like three or four of them had this in-person moment in this experience that brought them back to that beautiful connection. And it started because there was someone at this church that just said, I see the need. And as much as I need others to remind me of the beauty of Christ in my life, I will be that to somebody else. And she just did it. And you can do the same thing. Um, it wasn't too long ago that our small group got together. Um, and it had been a while since we had gotten together. Just because of all the craziness with everything. Uh, we got together and we shared a meal together. And it was just so wonderful to just be in a space and hear about what was happening in their lives and with their kids and to care about what was happening in their life and know that we were being cared for. Um, sorry, because <laughs> I know that there are some of you and what you're missing is that sense of that felt sense that you belong to a church and knowing that you're cared about, right? That's one of the beautiful things about the church. That no matter what you face in life, that you matter. That there are people that care about you. And that as you navigate life, you never navigate it alone. And if that sense is missing and you, and you feel the deficit of it, it may be as simple as, as being in a room with some other people from Casas, and, and it doesn't even have to be a big deal. Sometimes it's just a small thing. And just knowing, seeing the look on their face, that your life matters. Because it reminds you 
that your life matters to Christ. See, that's the beauty. When Jesus left and said, I'm going to come back for you, he knew he wasn't leaving us as orphans. He wasn't leaving us to just live in oblivion. He knew that we would have each other and that through each other, we would see the beauty of his love. We'd see the beauty and experience his care and his laughter and his joy in one another. And pandemic or not, we all need that. And the last thing, and I'll just say this in passing, um, your staff will be working and strategizing to create more ways that we can connect as a church. We'll be working on ways that we connect uh, church-wide. It's why we're doing what we're doing tonight when it comes to, uh, and I invite you to come to this, uh, you know, something to celebrate drive-through. Uh, you might just experience even just driving onto this campus and seeing some familiar faces, even if, you know, you got to look at them through, you know, the car window or whatever, that it does something good for your soul. So come and be a part of that. Um, and I hear, and uh, Stacy is here right now, I hear that you have invited the high schoolers to bring pie, to throw at you. Stacy's uh, here right now, our high school pastor. So high schoolers come and bring a pie. Um, and may I say this too, I love pie. So I'll say this to our high schoolers, middle schoolers. If you bring an extra pie, you can throw it at me. I'll be there as well. I, I will, so you can hold me to this, uh, Stacy. And let me say this too. If you're here and you're looking for that connection and struggling where to go, gosh, if you're a part of our high school ministry, give Stacy a call. If you're a part of our, our middle school ministry, um, reach out to Daniel. If you're an adult, call Miles or Seth or Jen and make a point to step out and do some of these things. Uh, some of the things we'll be planning and working on will be things uh, like, you know, we experimented with doing an in-person prayer night where we keep the numbers uh, low enough, but still do it online. And we'll be doing more of that. And we'll plan uh, maybe some communion online. There will be things that we will work on as a staff. But friends, you don't have to be on staff to be the church. All of you who call Casas home, you are Casas and you are the church. And I want to encourage you, do not forsake creating, stepping out and making those connections. Do not forsake meeting together because there is something about you that brings Christ into the life of another. And there is something about someone else who will be Christ for you. And we all, all need that. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, we just think about the beauty of your son, Jesus Christ. And I think about the beauty of causes and that there's something about all of these amazing people that make up Casas Church. And I am absolutely grateful for every single one of them. And I pray that you would use all of us to be you in the lives of one another. And in this time, when we can't uh, come together the way we would maybe want to, Father, I ask that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us opportunity, that you would pull us together, that we would experience your son, Jesus Christ, through one another 
as we continue to connect with one another during this time. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.